Iowa everywhere. This is Iowa Everywhere. And now, it's time for Two Guys Named Chris. Powered by Fairway Meat and Grocery. This is Iowa Everywhere. For the fans. What's going on? Welcome to Two Guys Named Chris. It is the 13th of October, 2022. I was not planning on talking Iowa football today. Yeah, I was on a bye, so... Well, I like I'm putting the show together yesterday afternoon. Got a little ahead this week. Felt good. Did you forget that the coordinators were meeting with the media? <laughs> Honestly, I didn't know. Because like now that I look back at it, one, I I do appreciate the fact that they're out in the open and they're talking. Like that's great. Yep, that's good, and I'll give them credit for that. It would have been really easy for them to just not do this. But two, like the PR guy in me is like, why are, why are they putting Brian Ferentz out there on a bye week? <laughs> he can't get out of his own way when he talks. And that's uh, the thing. Like, we're going to we're going to dissect it and we're going to criticize stuff. But the bottom line is he did talk. Yeah, and, I give him credit. And what could he have possibly said that we would have been like, oh, OK, yeah. I mean, there's some things that he shouldn't have said. Sure. But what could he have really said? that would make fans believe, like, okay, yeah, things are heading in the right direction. Nothing. Other, other than just coming in and saying, you know what, we're just, we're throwing out, we're throwing out the playbook. We're going to, we're going to play three quarterbacks in our next game. We're going to see who's best out there. We're going to go, you know, and that's not going to happen, obviously. But, so I want to get that out there that, we do appreciate them talking. Absolutely. And it was a lose-lose situation. Yeah. No, no doubt about that. Because if, if they don't – I guess I didn't even know that they did bi-week interviews. I don't think Iowa State does that even. And Iowa yeah, State's I think Iowa's always done that. Yeah, and Iowa State's generally thought of to be the more open program. I don't really believe that's the case anymore. I think Yeah, Iowa that, was, that was before Campbell. Yeah, I think Iowa State's closed off a lot in the last five years. But I don't ever remember them rolling out every, like, they did all three coordinators yesterday, mm-hmm. even the special yep. teams. So, so And if prop- Iowa State did this, it would only be two, right? Because there's no special teams coordinator. Well, we got that guy. From yeah, the that NFL. guy. That, that <laughs> analyst who's, I don't even think he's allowed in the building. He has to work from home. <laughs> he, he's coordinating the special teams from Los Angeles. Uh, <laughs> Anyways, um, so we'll, we got that to get to. Obviously, Iowa State, Texas. This is by far the best weekend of college football that we've had. And year. one of the reasons it's so great is that Iowa isn't playing. Yeah, you don't have to worry about that. Yeah. I wish I wish we were on a bye this week, to be honest with you. That'd be amazing. I'd just sit back and kick your feet up and just – Are you? You're, where are you at this week? Oh, I'm going back to Birmingham, baby. Yeah. <laughs> the pride of Birmingham, Alabama. Yeah, it is. Uh, it was a blowout last week. It was 38-7 at halftime. I made a lot of money on uh, against that game. Middle Tennessee. Yeah, you were on the right side of that one. It's going to be it's going to be another blowout this week, I think. Should Charlotte's this... coming to town. Oh, Charlotte Charlotte's has not very good. maybe the worst defense in the country. UAB has maybe the best rushing attack in the country. Lines UAB... only 23 and a half. In the future, can UIB kind of be like, do you remember when like Benny Sapp went to UNI and they would always mm-hmm. get like the 
Like if a guy left Iowa, he would just go to Northern the, Iowa. The Alabama-Auburn cast-offs, is that yeah. what you're... Yeah, I mean... I, I think they think of themselves as much way past that. Like They're not FCA. They're, they're, they're a really good FBS no, team. I get, no, I understand that, but could... I'm saying with the transfer portal and stuff mm-hmm. going forward, like, I mean, I don't know, just an idea. I, UAB is moving to the American next year, along Are with they a bunch really? of teams from. Yeah, okay. So, I didn't know that. That's awesome. Yeah, they'll they'll have an they they have a great football program, great facilities, a brand new stadium that they opened last season in downtown Birmingham. Uh, somebody tell your sources in Birmingham that your your co-host in Iowa wants a book about how that program was shut down and now brought back. <laughs> it is like amazing. It, it's a great story. Like if somebody needs to write a book on that. Yeah, in the last decade, shut down, and then they come back, and they're the most dominant team in the conference. And yes, I do need an apartment in Birmingham, as one of the <laughs> YouTube commenters said. I'm going back there two more times after this. I love it. I love it. Uh, if I if I can get a ticket to Birmingham, could I be like your spotter for a game and just sit absolutely because I don't CBS use a spotter. Booth. Yeah, I would love yeah, to do so that, I, actually. I don't I don't use one. I, I did that I, one I time myself for the Cyclone Radio Network, and I think I caused more harm than good. Because so that, that's why I don't use one is because a lot of times they're just kind of getting the way. Well, and they've got they've had the same guy for twenty years or whatever since it's been Walters and Heft. Mm-hmm. And if you're all the like that guy was gone, and Heft's like, oh, hey, man. you want to come in and be my spotter? And I was like, sure, this will be a good experience. So and Walters I just and Heft, on they each have their own spotters. No, they've got one guy who okay. is in their head, and then Bloom used to. Bloom would always be the one who'd be like, that's a 42-yard punt. Like, he'd do the math. Stats guy, yeah. Yeah. Anyways, um, it, damn it, I wanted to lead with Iowa State today, but we just can't. Uh, shout out to Fairway, <laughs> Fairway Meat and Grocery for sponsoring two guys named Chris. They Fairway loves it when you guys um, tag them and stuff on, on the Twitter. They like the interaction, so continue to do that. Thank you very much to all of our listeners and viewers. Uh, I guess let's just get it out of the way. Let's listen to what Brian Ferentz had to say yesterday. That it really wasn't shocking, but it it just like well, we'll just we'll, we'll respond to it. After. This is from Rob Howe uh, from Hawkeye Nation. He's the one who put this video together. Well, I can describe the quarterback position is this. It's like any position on our football team. We're evaluating everybody all the time on everything, and the quarterback position is very simple. Who can do the job? the absolute best. What are we looking at? Well, we're looking at metrics, okay? Not just games, practice. You're talking about decisions, reads, timing, location, all those things. And the good news with the quarterback position is very tangible, right? There's not a lot of gray area when you're grading those factors. So the reality is we do like Alex. We would feel comfortable with Alex in the game. We feel like he's a good player. But the reason that Spencer's our quarterback is we feel like he gives us the best chance to win. What would, we, what would be the downside of – I know we've talked about this. What's the downside of going with Alex? You still got Spencer on the team. I mean, what, right. what would be the downside of giving him a shot? The downside of – Going to the, making a change of quarterback. What would be the upside? Making a change. Right, but I'm, just yeah, I'm, not, I'm not trying to be – Coy, what I'm saying is, I, I think I addressed that, Scott, when you asked the question, what's the downside? I'm not interested in making a change for change's sake, mm-hmm. right? So when I'm looking at it, I'm saying, what's the upside, right? I don't know. There, there's unknown there. I know what Spencer's done. I know what Spencer can do, right? And I know what he does every day. That's the evaluation piece that, that we were talking about. And that's what the decision is made on. 
quarterback Joe Labus, knowing the spring and you know throughout fall camp, it was about trying to get him up to speed with the other two quarterbacks in the room. How would you assess his progress through six weeks, and has he made steps to close the gap on Spencer and Alex? Yeah, uh, Joe continues to do a good job, but the simple answer is no. He is not. He has not yet closed the gap on those two guys, uh, but doesn't discourage you from continuing to work with him, right? And hope that you get there. Well, it's not very encouraging for. Uh, the backup quarterbacks and their their situation at Iowa, and I couldn't help. And thanks to Scott Docterman, the great reporter from the Athletic, uh, who pointed out the Deuce Hogan situation from just um, less than a year ago, and this wasn't as like direct as that as Kirk was trying to make a joke in that one about, well, I probably wouldn't even get on the plane to go to Nebraska if Deuce Hogan was our quarterback. That was pretty direct, but this one man like. We've talked about it a lot on this show. If you're if you're Alex Padilla, and to this point, Labus as well, um, not a very encouraging sign for you and your future with the program. That's really disappointing to to hear that. Well, what's the upside? Uh, how, how can you say that about? I mean, there, there's clearly an upside. The upside is something different than what's been happening. And literally anything is up. Because you're ranked last in every passing category in the country. And for him to say, you know, for him to say that, you know, I'm not interested in making a change just to make a change. I get that. But then he said, we know what we have in Spencer Petrus. Yeah, no shit. We all know what we have in Spencer Petrus. And it's not good. So anybody else has a chance of being better. What? That's the upside. I mean, you want an upside? That's an upside. He's the worst because, ranked quarterback in the country. <laughs> and and yeah. there's a lot of things that I I took from that that I I just didn't really like. Um, one, I can't believe how much he his mannerisms, how much he's just like his father. It's crazy. Like there yeah. were times where I was like, oh my god, that's Kirk. I I'm not saying that's that. something I didn't like, but yeah, I picked up on that recently. It feels like when they get defensive, they go to that wow. that tone. Um, but <sighs> there were several things I I didn't like from the entire, and I watched the entire press conference from from start to finish for Brian. I don't know what it was 25, 30 minutes, thirty two minutes, thirty two minutes. Okay answered every question for the most part and even when he did answer a question he said did I answer that adequately and I think it was Chad Lystico that said not really and then he kind of tried to expand on it but I I just I got the sense one that and I get this when I hear when when we hear from Spencer Petrus too is they're they're making things way too complicated aren't they for an offense that is so bad doesn't it seem like the way they talk about things it, it makes it seem like, boy, this is this is extremely complicated, and maybe there's a reason why a a labus might be lagging behind in the comprehension of what they want to do because it's really complex. And I get that football is complex. It's not just watching the football snapped and watching where the ball goes. There, there's there's different routes. There's different levels of the routes. But the way they talk, it's unlike any other offensive coordinator and quarterback that I've heard in college football. Yeah, and you interview them all over the country every week. It's not the what's so complex about like when you watch their offense though it's anything but complex. 
Exactly. So I don't know if they're trying to do that to make it seem like, you know, they know more than us. And I, I hope it's not that. But when he was asked about Padilla and in, it, it, this part wasn't in that clip, uh, I can't I, I'm not sure which reporter asked him this. And I thought the reporters did a really good job asking did questions. Too. They did a difficult questions. Standing ovation. One of the questions was, well, at least Padilla gives you that mobile aspect. Wouldn't that help? And Brian Ferentz basically said, no, it does not matter if the quarterback is mobile or a statue because it's all based on timing. If if we drop back and the timing isn't there, then the play is dead. And that blew me away. Like it... it on what team, at what level, is a play just dead if you drop back and the wide receiver isn't open? What are we seeing on Sundays? What makes the best quarterback? What makes the best offenses? It's the Patrick Mahomes, the Josh Allens, the guys that, hey, it's not there right away. They're most dangerous when they're keeping the play alive, when they're rolling out of the pocket. Get open. You know, the play, it's not, you don't just stop when you're not open. You know, when, when there's a three or four step drop and, and you're not ready to get the ball, quarterback can buy time. And that's often where you get the biggest plays. And he basically said that's not part of our offense and we don't want it to be part of our offense. I'm not asking any of the Iowa quarterbacks to be Adrian Martinez by any means, but just watching that Iowa State-Kansas game, Kansas State game, they got one touchdown. What was it off of? A broken play where nothing was there because the quarterback was able to maneuver and make something happen with time. It's just the first example that comes to my head. That's the um, – when we're going to talk about Iowa State here, what's the, what's the simplest fix for Iowa State's offense right now? I can tell you it's not – they're going to change the offense, right? We're not going to go five wide for the Cyclones on Saturday. It's Hunter Deckers needs to have the ability to get out and run a little bit. And, yeah, that was perplexing to me, too. And what that did is that just showed me, assuming he's being honest, and I have no reason to think he's not, I guess, even though I think that stubbornness has a lot to do with it from the top. I don't know about that. There's no doubt. There's no Um, doubt. And I don't know, and I don't think anybody does, how much of an input does Brian really have on who's out there? Playing? Well, I am a there, part of me felt br- bad for Brian Ferentz yesterday, only in the sense that um, he did humanize himself a little bit. Now that doesn't take he did. away from being the worst ranked offense in the country, but you know, even when he was asked about would you step down, and he said you would have to ask the head coach, and that's not the guy he reports to. It's just like, oh my god, this mm-hmm. guy can't say anything right. Like, well, the, it, you know, but it's a he's not. He talks to announce crews each week, I'm sure, but he doesn't really get in front of the media like that. That's kind of a tough spot if you're not used to doing it. And he does he a thing on Zoom, that, but it's different than having all those guys there, no doubt. And especially in this circumstance, this season. Um, it, but it, what it did, though, it, it showed me just how stubborn and how bad this has actually gotten. If he truly believes that, that it doesn't matter if yeah. a quarterback can move or not in 2022. That, that like, isn't that, when he said isn't that. that even more terrifying? Like, it'd be one yes. thing if you're just like, well, if he just came out there and was like, listen, like, um, we Alex is really shown to be turnover prone and 
practice and we mm-hmm. feel like we're trying to play to our defense, which is the strength of the team. We clearly need to recruit better at the position. To me, like that would be for him to say, no, nah, it doesn't matter if our quarterback can move or not is mind blowingly. That's basically crazy. saying if, if Mike Vick is available, you know what? We don't want him because it has nothing to do with mobility. Yeah. And it's just saying like our offense is this and you're going to fit our offense and we're not going to mm-hmm. move anything to the strength of our players couple other things that I heard that I, that were concerning to me. Uh, one was that he kept harping that the main problem that this offense has right now is the negative plays. And while that's true, that tells me they're going to be even more conservative because they know that if they get a negative play, if they get a penalty, the drive is done. They won't even attempt to do anything. They will run the ball right up the middle and get to the punt. So I think they're going to be even more conservative moving forward because that's going to be one of the keys for them that they're going to look at going into and coming out of each game is the number of negative plays. But the thing that disappointed me and kind of scared me even more was that, and I heard this from Petrus after the game as well, they really thought they were making major strides up until this Illinois game. You listen to Brian Farron, you go back and listen to what he said in that press conference. And he almost made it boil down to to one game. Illinois. We, we were going in the right direction. We took a step back at Illinois. They thought that they were moving in the right direction. They thought they were making improvements each and every week. How? How can that be that they really thought for what that it's against worth, Michigan and they, Nevada is one of the worst teams in the country. They haven't won since they played on. They just lost to Colorado State last week. Who was who was winless? It's it's stuff like that that just make I, when you hear Brian Ferentz, you hear you don't hear a guy that's incompetent. This is not he's not incompetent. He's a smart guy. But for whatever reason, they don't know how to run offensive football. They, 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 it's like they, they have no clue. And that's why I think this is the most frustrated Iowa fans have been in the Ferentz era. Because they have the defense. They have the special teams. They have really, really good players in every other aspect of the game. And offensively, they are so bad that it's canceling all that out. This the most upset we've ever seen the fan base. You just said, I, and I don't really think it's close because it's been building, right? Like it's been. I, I've referenced this a couple times to but, talk radio. But the radio. Ferences will say, we, we, "We won ten games last year. What do you mean?" But even I'll, I'll tell you what I mean, Kirk, is just by conversing with your fan base for three hours a day on talk radio. Like you were winning games, and people were still like, "It's is it." Um, is it simply because they've been there for so long? Like, there's is there a fatigue factor that plays into this? Is I don't know. We're we're experiencing this with Iowa State right now, for the first time I think in the Campbell area era mm-hmm. where it's kind of like, well, there's a certain aspect of the fan base. It's like, yeah, he did all this stuff right now, but uh, leading up to now, but what have you done for me lately? That type of thing. You went seven and five with your best team, and now you're zero and three in the Big Twelve. 
uh, Ferentz is obviously goes on for the course of like 20 years. But I can tell you, you guys were winning games last year. And we were getting negative calls consistently. Was it because... Um, no, I, I guess I'm just trying to think too. At least last year, though, you had like the Maryland game that came out of nowhere, and it's mm-hmm. like, oh, we're not yeah. completely incompetent on offense. Right. Look, we just scored 52 points or whatever. This year, like, I, I really don't think because you can't run the ball, and your line's even worse. Like, I don't think I was capable of doing that against anybody having an outburst no. like that. Do you? No, absolutely not. And even if they were capable, I don't think they would try much. What would make you happy in the offseason? Like, like hmm. realistically. Because clearly they have to make some sort of a – well, maybe not. But um, we said the same thing last year. Yeah, they should like have made going a into the offseason. W- if they brought in some guy from, um, you know, some high-flying, like, Sunbelt school to come in and he was going to take over the offense for you, would it even make a difference or would it just be like, oh, Kirk's not going to let him spread his wings? And I think that's the root of the problem. Is yeah, I do too. It, I, I think Kirk Ferentz is calling the shots here. I don't know how much of this is Brian Ferentz's fault. I think it might be less than some some think it is. Now, I think he is calling plays, but I think there's a lot of stuff like who's out there at quarterback that is – Kirk's decision and Kirk's decision only based on practice. We'll give Iowa, I'll give Iowa credit for talking to the media and doing all that. Gary Barta needs to comment on this if he's truly Brian Ferentz's boss. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. What's he going to say, though? Like, right. But, you know, you're th- right. Am I, I think wrong? he does. I think he does have to comment, but what's he going to say? I don't know. He's going to say we're evaluating. Like, we're going to evaluate. We're going to well, after the season. We'll sit down. We'll we evaluate won 10 it. Games last year, we won. Yes. Yeah. We won the Big Ten West last year. Sold out all of our games. Yes. We still have six games remaining this season. I'm just saying, from a institutional standpoint, and all the nepotism talk and whatnot, like, wouldn't it be good to get the leader out there to say something? Or would it just do more harm? I just I don't think many people really believe that he is the leader, though. Oh, okay, that's I think fair. most people believe that Kirk Ferentz has a lot more power than Gary Barta. Which, yeah, I would completely agree with that. Okay. So I don't know. I, I, Chris, I don't know what you do. Because it... It's just going to be a long year. It doesn't matter who the offensive coordinator has been over the years. It's always been an offense that has kind of looked the exact same way. So we know that this is a Kirk Ferentz thing. here's what has to happen in the offseason. You got to move on from Spencer Petras. If they they come back with Spencer Petras next season, can you imagine the fan base? Well, no offense to the fan base for a minute. I'm worried about Spencer Petras in that scenario. Well, if if in that scenario, that's him deciding he wants to come back. So it's that, not that, it's well, nobody's forcing him to do it. Somebody needs to get in that young man's ear and say, "Don't yes. do it. Get yes. your degree. You know, and get out of there. Get the hell out don't of this look situation. Back. Don't look back. And I feel bad for him. Imagine We've said sitting, it a million times. Imagine sitting in that quarterback room right now. 
I would love to see what's going on in that room. Like, what is what is Alex Padilla like? What is Joey Labus like? How can they? How do they even show up? Honestly, how do they even show up? What are the chances that any of those three guys are even there next year? I think it's a a pretty good chance that none of them are there. Yeah, I, I do too. I mean, if you're Labus, like. Your, your your boss just told everybody how far behind you are from the worst quarterback in college football. Well, yeah, and, and you look at what the boss said about the backup who is supposedly uh, they trust, and he said, "What's the upside?" And then it's and then it's like a huge canyon <laughs> drop down to you if you're Joey yeah. Labus. Yeah, that's what I mean. And I've heard uh, Tyler Kluver, who's from the Washed Up Walk Ons podcast, yeah, whose opinion I totally respect. Yeah. He was on he was on that 2015 team that went undefeated. Um, say that, you know, maybe Spencer Petrus is a way 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 better option than than Padilla, and they just don't want to say it. And the the problem is, is that they've already said the cat's out of the bag. They've already said that they believe and they trust Padilla. Every bit as much as Petrus if he was out there in a game. It's just they think Petrus gives them the best chance to win. If that was the case, if Padilla was so far behind Petrus, I think they would have said it because they just said it with Labus. So I I think that they're pretty even, but for whatever reason, they just think that Spencer Petrus, and I think it has to do, it, it has to be the practice aspect of it. Practice. And it, yeah, and one of the things he said yesterday, which made me shake my down. head, was that we have to be better in practice. Yeah. I'm, I, I don't, I do not give a damn what they do in practice anymore. They don't, don't do anything in practice during the season. Hear about in a D one program, they're not hitting. They like shouldn't they be. To. Did you they hear our interview be. with Ricky Williams and Sage the other day? Like we were talking mm-hmm. about that, the difference in being a running back in 2022 compared to when Ricky was coming up. Like they don't, they don't do that anymore. It's walkthroughs. It's, I mean, they're clearly doing something, but it's a lot of scout team, that type of stuff. I'll say one thing: if they don't change, it's going to be damn hard going forward. I mean, I'm assuming Wisconsin makes a little bit of a shift regarding stylistically. I, they almost have to. It's really hard to do what I was doing right now. It just is in 2022. They're going to run out of quarterbacks that fit their systems. Because they're going to run a, out of people who are willing to come here yeah. and and be a part of this. Whether you're Spencer Petrus and you're going out there getting killed every week and then having to face the media, or you're the guy that they won't put in the game. Yeah, and like, let's say a transfer is in the portal and Iowa decides they want to target him. <laughs> There's not a lot of guys that fit that mold anymore. Because well, here's the mold. Nobody else is doing. What are the, so here, what's the pitch for? You know, Brian Ferentz and Kirk Ferentz are out there on the recruiting trail. Here's what we need. We don't give a damn if you're 350 pounds and you can't move, as long as you can make a three-step drop and get it to these wide receivers on time. We're good with you, and you'll win that starting job because mobility does not matter apparently. To these guys. The only pitch is that you're in the Big Ten. I mean, really. That's the pitch. What you want to come be a starter this in the Big year, Ten? One of the things that they're they've kind of 
been able to lean into is that they've sold out every game. Uh, next season's going to be ugly. This is not going to happen next season. If nothing changes big time, it's. I think we could see very, the lowest attendance at, at Iowa games that we've seen in a long time if this continues down this road. Because nobody wants to watch it. That's no. At the end of the day, Cause, it's cause boring. One, it's-, it's a boring product. It's not exciting. Two, you're not even winning anymore either. It's one thing if you're winning these games 9-6. You can kind of look past that a little bit. Yeah. If you're losing 9-6 week in and week out and you're refusing to change and it's just a struggle to get through every game, who is going to spend their Saturdays? If you're on the fence about it, I mean, I get that there's people that are always going to do it. Mm Mm-hmm. But it's the way you fill a stadium is with the people who are kind of on the fence. I don't know if we should do this or not. Yeah, let's take a chance on this team. They won 10 games last year. They've got a good home schedule. Let's do it. (laughs) Those people going into next season, as of right now, are not going to do it. Let's, uh, Let's move on to Iowa State. Before we do, I want to thank our friends at Circa, Circa Sports, Iowa. Telling you guys... Doing this like I got a problem right now, Hassel. The three year old. You have a gambling problem? No, I don't have a gambling problem. If you do, it's one eight hundred bets off. Hmm. Uh, my three year old refuses to sleep without me. Like I have to be next to her at all times. She has separation anxiety. So, jeez, what's a any good father do? I sit in I sit in bed and I make sports bets. <laughs> sit in bed with her. My dog's uh, no. like that, too. She has to be with us when she sleeps. So I have like 10 apps on my... And I'm not... Mm-hmm. I promise you guys, I'm not lying to you. Circa consistently gives me the best odds. They don't have all the like shiny like, oh, well, here's a boost for your parlay. They don't do all that. They give you the best odds at the at the start. I think and those I love boosts that. are sometimes... Well, they try Not and really sucker boosts. you into making bad bets is what they're doing. Like, And a lot of times it's like parlay bets, too, that uh, yeah. you're it's like, probably not going to win. I always make fun of my wife. She used to shop at Kohl's a lot, and I, I'd go in there. The same shirts got the same discount all the time. It's not on mm-hmm. sale. They're just it's always to make, 75% off, yeah, though. They're making you think it's on sale. Yeah, check out Circus Sports app, Circus Sports Iowa. And I kind of like the fact it's a very basic app. There's not a lot of flashing lights and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. They are our uh, exclusive sports betting partner here. And we're going to be Iowa out there everywhere. at some point, right? We are. Yeah, we're we're cooking something up. We'll see if it um we'll see when that happens and we'll let you guys know about it. Iowa State at Texas. Iowa State's now a 17-point underdog in this one. <laughs> Iowa State hasn't been this big of an underdog since 2017, the Oklahoma game. What they want. Kemp, yeah, Kyle Kemp went on the road to beat Baker Mayfield, believe it or not. That was the craziest game. I, I, I was at a Chris Stapleton concert with our friend Keith Murphy the night before that game. So he's not douche country? No. And um, getting texts about the Iowa State quarterback situation from Oklahoma. And I, was, I, I thought Iowa State was going to lose by 50 in that game. Yeah, what was the line? It was like 31 when it closed, something like that. Massive dog. Uh, one of the biggest upsets in college football history, realistically. Mm-hmm. I mean, th- those lines don't 
that doesn't hit very often. Um, this is kind of where I am, and I say this with no inside information because that room is pretty locked up right now. But Campbell won't return your calls during the season, will he? He doesn't return any call. He doesn't even have a phone during the season. He's got like, <laughs> if he needs to talk to a recruit, the recruiting guys come in and hand him a phone and say, okay, this is. Um, Does like he even he, talk to his family during the season? That's it. <laughs> but it's that it was never this way until the pandemic hit. And then he huh. read all these books and, you know, he's, it's his whole deal. Anyways, um, if Jirel Brock is hurt, which I'm assuming that he's not going to play. And I don't, he went down for the second game in a row last week. It looked, I'm assuming you sit him as a seventh and then get him back for the stretch run. Just an assumption. I just think that this, if I was, if you're playing to win the game, right? Play to win the game. If that's truly Iowa State's goal, I I actually think you have to kind of, lean into this right now and make this as ugly and low possession of a game as you possibly can. Hassel, I think Texas with Quinn Ewers is a top five team in the country. I think they're playoff caliber. I think they beat Alabama in week one. There's no way they lose at Texas Tech in their Big 12 opener. I think they're potentially, probably not, but potentially the number one team in the country right now had Quinn Ewers never gotten hurt. In that opener, and my my point is where I just I look at this game, I just don't think Iowa State can line up man for man and win this one on Saturday. So I think you have to slow this thing down and lean into your defense and do a lot like what Iowa's done over the years. And it's not going to make people happy. People want points. I get it. Clearly, you want to score points when you have the the ball on offense. But if you're going to make sweeping changes to this offense, I just don't know if this is the week to do it. It's This is survival mode, get to the bye week, mm-hmm. and just don't get blown out. It's a trap game for Texas. Yeah, you're right. Good point. It's a good point. Coming off the Red River rivalry, or shootout, whatever you want to call it. And then next week, they're at undefeated Oklahoma State. This is an Iowa State team that's at the bottom of the Big 12, 0-3 in conference play. You're at home. It's an 11 a.m. Central Time kickoff. I like that for Iowa State. You're expected to just blow Iowa State out of the water. It's got letdown written all over it, Christopher. You're you're right. It, it, It certainly does. I wonder... Iowa State's beaten them three times in a row. So you have a little bit of there. But the, it's so different now because they have like 40 new guys on that team. Right. From last yeah. year. So I just Quinn don't Ewers know. Quinn was not on that team. Yeah, I just don't know if that matters as much when we throw out these statistics as, as media guys anymore. Um, I think it's going to be a sleepy little Saturday in Austin. And... Iowa State is going to have a chance to jump on them a little bit. Now, I'm not saying Texas won't wake up in the second half. We saw them do that against UTSA. But they had a rough first half against UTSA in in kind of a trap game there, coming off that Alabama game and right before going to Texas Tech. They're feeling themselves now. They're back into the top 25. 
Everybody's when patting them on the back after that Oklahoma. They're, they're printing T-shirts. Have you seen the T-shirts that they, uh, they're selling? No. This looks like an Iowa State Volleyball Championship T-shirt that you guys hawk all the time. It's horrible. What, what is this? It's, it, it's got garbage all over it. Just print it. Just put forty nine nothing on a t shirt. Make it burnt uh, orange. They're doing and a be done with it. Red River t shirt. Oh yeah, it's got dumb logos and art all over it. But bottom line is they're making t shirts for last week's win, and then they have undefeated Oklahoma State next week, and Iowa State is zero and three, reeling huge underdog. This is when think, Campbell actually is okay. pretty good. Like yes. they, they've yes. been really good in this spot. I, if I had to bet this game, I would bet the under for sure because I think Iowa State will try and they're not going to try and get in a track meet. This is how if you're Iowa State, you win ugly. If you're going to have a prayer in this one, total I, is uh, total is forty nine and a half. Yeah, I, I think the one thing when I, I've I've watched, I am a masochist. But I've watched the Kansas and Kansas State games again this week. Hunter Deckers has to tuck it and run when it is there. That is the only way Iowa State can get this off. It might without a bye week to make some big fixes. Okay? And that's something if, Brock Purdy would always do. Yeah. The, here's the problem when they're when they're lining it up and and trying to run the football, they're averaging under two yards per carry in the Big Twelve thus far. That's a lot of pressure to put on what is essentially a rookie quarterback. I know he's been in the program, but he hasn't seen the live, you know, the live action. He's about midway through his first year of playing. Okay, so um, I think he's seeing ghosts, and I think the one thing that can loosen things up because you're seeing this cover four constantly, so that makes life very difficult on a quarterback when the opposing team can bring four and get through your six. Pretty consistently. That makes life very, very difficult on a young quarterback. And that's what I'm seeing where there's a lot of disguised coverages. Hunter has seen a lot of this stuff for the first time. What can loosen that up? Right now, I don't think it's handing it off to the third and fourth string running backs. I think it's, hey, there's a hole right there. You need to take it, son. And it kind of goes back to our Iowa conversation. Just think about it from an opposing fan. When you're a fan and you're watching your team play a game, what's more terrifying than a dual-threat quarterback? You hate it. You know, like, it, it's a really a, a terrifying I just, thing. I just had the guy... Brian Ferentz quote in, it just flash into my mind about how it doesn't matter if Iowa has a quarterback that's mobile. Am I wrong, though? But like, I know it's... every other offense is the same way. Yes, yes, and that's why... And Iowa State has not shown that all year with Hunter Deckers. He's supposed to be a running... He's supposed to be a dual-threat quarterback. He has so not you, shown himself to do be. Do you that. think he's scared to do it? Do you think they're telling him not to do it because they they don't want to risk injury? What is it? No, I think it's in his head. Honestly, I think that it is in it. Think back to the Iowa game. I keep referencing the ninety nine yard drive, right? Which by all means is impressive. Iowa has an elite defense. By all means, they're a top ten defense. They may not be as good as, but they're good. Really, really good defense to do that on the road. Jairo Brock was running for five seven yards per pop mm-hmm. on that drive. That makes your life as a quarterback so much easier, okay? And they that has not been a thing since the first half of the Baylor game. They have not been able to run the ball. And I don't think they're going to be able to do it against the front four from Texas. So where where does that come from to loosen up the defense to help out Hunter? you got to do it yourself, son. I don't yeah. think they're telling him that. I think that he has not seen the field. 
I think he's locking in on Xavier Hutchinson. I think a lot of these short crossing routes we're seeing are third, fourth option stuff after he decides he's been staring at Xavier for three seconds, decides he's not open, so he's going to dump it off to whatever he can find. And I don't even think he's looking to run. He's got to see the field better. And that's why I really wish they had a bye week. I just I don't think there's a lot of things you can fix right now if you're Iowa State's offense, unfortunately. No. No, I I don't think so either. But at, at some point, something has to loosen the defense up or you're going to keep getting the same results. And it has yeah. to come either from throwing the ball over the top and having success that way or running the football and making them put more guys in the box. Yeah. And I, I don't it doesn't sound like running the football is going to work. So I think you're right. I think you've got to hope that you can maybe take the top off the defense a little bit. And when there's an opening you got to take it. you got to make them at least think that there's a chance you're going to take off and run because if not, they're not even going to account for you as a runner. The running backs, all, this, all of a sudden, they have an advantage. The running backs have to be better, too. They've, this is not all on the offensive line as much as Iowa State fans like to think. There's been a lot of examples over the last two weeks when a guy hits the wrong hole. Like I'm talking the third and fourth string guys. Brock has been great when he's played this year, uh, but I just I don't think he's going to play on Saturday. And I, again, I don't know that, but I'm just he got hurt at Kansas, gets hurt again. I, I would be shocked if they don't let him rest and get really ready for this stretch run with some winnable games down the. St- I do think Cartevius Norton will get out there in some capacity, which would be really good to get him back. And he's. I think top end the best running back on the roster, but he's still a true freshman. So I would definitely play an under on that game. I think it's going to be a low-scoring slog. But I could also see Hassel. It's like this offense is different than anything Iowa State has really seen. So mm-hmm. I, the defense is really going to get a test on Saturday as well. But like this that's is, the strength. That's the strength. Play the defense is the strength. They've been doing a great job. If they can – if they can keep Texas down, I, I, I don't see why they. I don't see why they can't have a chance to be in this game in the fourth quarter. Because I, I don't think we're going to see the best version of Texas this week. Maybe I'm wrong. That. Maybe they come out. I, I, I like Iowa State and the points in this game. What'd you say? It's up to now, seventeen. Seventeen. Circa opened I like the at points. thirteen. So everybody's wow. betting on Texas. Well, they're seeing that Iowa State is is zero and three in conference play and can't yep. score. But let's I I think this is a letdown spot for the Horns. Let's do the uh, let's do our top three because we're running out of time. We only have like fifteen minutes left, and then we'll mm-hmm. touch on the rest of the games this weekend. The top threes, uh, I I admittedly looked at yours, so I so we would pick three different games. Uh, I think Kansas at Oklahoma is super interesting just because this, this Oklahoma thing is fascinating to watch this nosedive. Kansas with a backup quarterback going into Oklahoma. I think that line is at like nine right now, which is giving Kansas no respect at all. I don't get it. Because I, I, we saw Bean, he's, he was the backup this season, but he was the starter for a lot of last season. Yeah, he's playing And a lot. you saw what he did last week when he came in. Guy can make plays. He's really fast. 
he can be a real, real headache for this Oklahoma defense. I think everybody's just thinking, okay, Kansas's magic carpet ride's over. They lost last week. They lost their starting quarterback. This is a get-right game for Oklahoma. We'll see. Oklahoma State at TCU. I mean, this could be the Big 12 championship game, a, a preview for it, realistically. <laughs> Hard to believe. Uh, these, these are the last two unbeaten teams in the Big 12. I mean, Max Duggan, Iowa kid, probably – I was going through some of the, I mean, he would be right behind Hooker from Tennessee, uh, odds-on favorite to win the Heisman if the season ended right now, which is, he's just been really good. He's too mobile for Iowa to want him. <laughs> Imagine that, uh, if you had that kid. Um, but yeah, Oklahoma State and TCU, uh, TCU, I think, is the most impressive team in the Big 12 thus far, but I think Oklahoma State... Um, the sneaky kind of coming up on them as an underdog. TCU's had a couple of really emotional games in a row, killing Oklahoma. Well, actually three if you count SMU, Oklahoma, and then last week with Kansas getting college game day. Uh, this Just a fascinating football game. I don't really have a lean into this one other than really this will be an elimination game for the Big 12 as far as the playoff goes. This is it. I yeah. was talking with Jerry Palm earlier in the week, and, and he thinks that the winner of this game is going to be the last hope for the Big 12 to get into the playoff. Now, things could happen. I think there's a chance that a one-loss team could maybe still have a chance to get in, but Texas already has a couple losses. I think that's the biggest problem. If Texas only had one loss, they could run the table and get in. But And it's hard to see either one of these teams, Chris, whoever wins it, winning out from there on as well. No doubt. I want to... This is not one of my three games that I would watch, but I think it's super fascinating nonetheless. Minnesota at Illinois. Let's see... Hmm. Um, as far as the Big Ten West goes, Illinois is an, like a, almost a touchdown underdog here. Sneaky underdog. I mean, I feel like they're pretty live right there in that spot. Bielema continues to kind of prove himself every week there. Just an interesting one. Again, this is like a Big Ten Network game. It's kind of buried there with all these top 25 matchups. But for for Big Ten fans, keep an eye on this one. It, and it, I, I, don't, I, I don't really think Iowa's in the mix, but this, this could be a de facto um, no. championship game for the Big Ten West, potentially. Potentially, there, Purdue clearly in the mix. Big games in in the division with the Nebraska Purdue game there as well. I don't get how why is Minnesota a touchdown favorite at Illinois? I I don't. I bet that. Illinois the points and I put a money line bet in already as well. we'll I like see. it. You have a more sexy top three. We'll go with yours. Do I? You think so? I okay. think so. Well, you uh, get the, the ranked matchups. You got more more juice. I want to start with USC and Utah because this is the big test for USC. This is the first ranked team they're playing. Utah is battle-tested. They have a couple of losses already, but that that it's really hard to win at Utah, and they are going to be gunning for Lincoln Riley and Caleb Williams. If USC wins this game, then I think you start believing that this team could be a playoff team and Caleb Williams could win the Heisman Trophy but they're underdogs in this game Chris 
They probably should be too. Utah's a brutal place to go. They haven't played a ranked team. They haven't been a ranked team all year, mm-hmm. and it's kind of a if you if you know the like culture of this Utah program, it's toughness. It's mm-hmm. big dudes, and then you kind of have the finesse Lincoln Riley USC. So it's a fascinating fascinating matchup. My gut told me that SC would go in and win this, but I the more I've looked into it, I think that Utah's in a kind of a slippery spot where they could jump up and get them. So, yeah, I'm locked into this one Saturday night, no doubt. My next game is Clemson going on on the road to Doak. Florida State has, I think, back-to-back losses, right? And last they week do. was a disaster. I mean, they, they throw the ball in the final minute when they're in field goal range, down by two points, just run the ball, kick a field goal, get out of there, win it. And I think we're looking at this game a little bit differently. So it's going to be a great atmosphere at Doke. And we'll see if Clemson can pass another big test. Yeah, the atmosphere will have to be the I, – I mean, watching Florida State as closely as I do, I think that they are a good team this year. I don't think they're at the level. But, I, but Clemson, like, isn't this a little bit of a prove-it game for them to be like an actual playoff championship contender? They proved like, a lot – uh, against NC State a couple of weeks ago. I, I think that the the Wake game was huge. They had to get over that hurdle. I agree with you that they they stepped up to the plate against a good Wolfpack team. This kind of feels like the last bastion of like a challenge for them. Maybe South Carolina at the end of the year is the Gamecocks look pretty good thus mm-hmm. far. Um, but this, yeah, the atmosphere is going to be lights out. Night game at Doak. They're going to be tomahawk chopping. That that'll be a fantastic game. What a loaded weekend. We haven't even scratched the surface yet. And I haven't even gotten to the, the biggest game of the weekend, and it's Bama at Tennessee. What are you hearing? What are you hearing at CBS on Bryce Young? I have not heard much yet, to be honest with you. And I don't know. Last week that meant he didn't play because there wasn't much last week either. And if he can't go, Tennessee, Tennessee wins has the a game. real chance to win this game. Yeah, I think so too. I mean, just but look at that object- atmosphere. There, I've never been to Neyland. That's that's on my bucket list. There's a handful of places that I've that I've wanted to go in college football. A few places I've I've been able to go to check off, like uh, Death Valley down in on the Bayou in Baton Rouge for an LSU night game. Neyland Stadium for a huge game when Tennessee's rolling. I don't know that there's any place I'd rather be than in that stadium on Saturday because they are hot and they feel like they are back. Alabama is a hated rival. They have never beaten Nick Saban as head coach at Alabama. I don't think the last time they won was 2006. Saban, I think he was a head coach with the Miami Dolphins at the time. Alabama always lights up those cigars in the locker room after they beat Tennessee. They're sick and tired of that. It's going to be a lot of fun if Tennessee can keep this close. That place I, is going to be rocking. Just don't overthink this one. If if Bryce Young isn't playing, I mean, they almost lost to A&M last week. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they look shaky against Arkansas, too, until they Texas right? ran like, away late. But This I, has not been a dominant yeah. Bama team. They have kicking problems and, right now. And Hendon Hooker. It, it, Tennessee wins this game, and Hendon Hooker might rise to the top of the Heisman odds, and Tennessee is going to jump into the top four. 
It's uh, a lot of intrigue for that one on CBS this week. All right, a um, couple other games to hit on. It, it just feels to me like Penn State's a sneaky seven-point underdog at Michigan. I don't know. Like Michigan really still hasn't been tested, Hassel. I mean, well, they want I, I feel, like, I feel like Michigan has shown me more, though, than Penn State has. What has Penn okay. State shown? Now, that doesn't mean that they're not good. I just don't. One at Auburn, but at Auburn's, yeah. Auburn's not good. No, good atmosphere. They did win at Purdue to start the season, and that win's yeah. looking better and better and better. I, I think I think Penn State, I don't know if they'll win the game, but this feels like a low-scoring 11 a.m. Big Ten game that, um, you know, Penn State had an extra week to prepare, coming off of a bye week. We've seen Michigan at, you know, struggle against Maryland, but I think Maryland's probably a better team than most people thought at that mm-hmm. point in time. Really good Big Ten game there. Have you watched Syracuse this year? I, I've seen bits and pieces when they've played on weeknights, but they're a blast. Yeah, they're they're unde- undefeated right now. Yeah, they're an absolute blast to watch. They're every year one of these teams will catch your eye, you know, that you maybe haven't planned on watching. I stumbled upon Syracuse, and I love watching them play. They are hosting NC State on. I mm-hmm. think it's a night game. I'm not. Sure. It's like an ACC three thirty Eastern. Yeah, yeah. That's Eastern ACC Eastern. Network. So half of you may not be able to get it. That's do you guys really not get one. ACC Network up there? I do. I don't. It just probably depends on the the cable subscription or whatever you have. I do YouTube TV. What do you use? I've got YouTube TV as well. Okay. But uh, it's a gauntlet now for for Syracuse. We're going to find out because they got NC State this week, then they're at Clemson, then they host Notre Dame. I'd like to go to a game in that dome one time before I I think it's gimmicky. Just one time. It's not gimmicky anymore, and nobody else does it. It's just them. It's like they're... Yeah, that's what... It's a gimmick. It's Uh, gimmicky. Okay, I get what you mean. Uh, I'm tired of that dome. What... what it, why what do you have against that dome? Like the basketball in it? it basketball in it, it sucks. I agree with you there, but the football is fun to watch. I think the basketball is more fun to watch than the football on that dome. Unbelievable. <laughs> you would because <laughs> they put in like thirty five thousand to watch a college basketball game. It's great. I don't know. Uh, I just, Wisconsin is a touchdown favorite at Michigan State. Michigan State really Oof. sucks. Do you think they're regretting that Mel Tucker contract oh. at this point? They have to be. But what are they doing paying him almost $10 million a year for one season? For they one thought he was going to get one of those SEC jobs, I think. I don't remember, but they... I mean, I guess they, you, you, if you've got the leverage... The coaching and, thing's out of control. I, Bloom thinks... I was talking with Bloom last night. He thinks Venables is going to actually get fired after <laughs> one year. He really thinks if, if If they lose to Kansas this week, it might be this week. And again, though, and then you wonder why guys like Campbell aren't like jumping, right? Like, yeah. if you do, like if you go to those big jobs, like it's money's guaranteed, though, Chris. I mean, it's, it's, they, it's they can't take the money away, and it's not like you can't go back again. You can always they, get another opportunity. But I, I know what you mean. Like, you don't want to leave a good thing because even even though you you do get the money, even though you could go back to a program that you left, you can't go back to the exact same situation. And if you like what you have right now, why leave it? Speaking of that, uh, I got to give a shout out to my guy, Mike Leach. Yeah, Mississippi State's good. He wins 
everywhere he goes. Yeah. It just takes a little while, but he ends up winning everywhere he goes. I mean, it he is, always finds a quarterback. Will he Rogers. Nev- he's never at these destination jobs either. Nope. He's always out in the middle of nowhere. In the not even at like a second tier conference no. job. I mean, it's like Lubbock, bottom of the rung. Lubbock, Pullman, and Starkville. Whew. Uh, They're at Kentucky. That's a fun little game. And then Nebraska-Purdue. I feel like... Mm. I'll watch that. That, There's actually steam picking up for this Mickey Joseph in Lincoln. Well, they they won a tight game last week. They came back and they won a close game, which is something that they just could never do under Scott Frost. By the way, speaking of Scott Frost... Some of the things that Brian Ferentz said were very Scott Frost-esque. Like some of the things he said in that press conference yesterday, we would kill Scott Frost for doing things like that, for saying, oh, what's the upside of putting in a backup quarterback? You know, I, 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 there were two or three different things he said that reminded me of Scott Frost. And where's Scott Frost now? Fired. Gone. <laughs> I digress. That's, that's why I wasn't killing Matt Campbell on Saturday night too much after his bad quote. He How should did nobody not ask have... him about it? So, well, come on, were your Iowa State media? I wasn't there. Is he, uh, not going to ask him about it? It was a bad quote. Uh, I had heard earlier in the week that there was a chance he would walk that back, not apologize for it, but walk it back and clarify what he meant. He clearly did not do that. I think he may have been prepared to do that had the question been broached. Mm-hmm. But that, I guess, that's my whole point. You said the Scott Frost thing. No, he should never have brought the fan base into it, clearly. Mm-mm. And he brought I the think, whole fan base in. It yeah, wasn't, it, he didn't there say was no qualifier. Yeah, there was no qualifier. He said our fan base. I truly think that his point there was to – Defend his guy. There's no doubt. Yes. Program you first. Can't, you can't burn down the, the whole fan base <laughs> at the same time. Who's paying your salary and paying for their scholarships mm-hmm. and paying for parking. Yeah. No doubt about that. But yeah. I mean, it's, 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 I, it's, it's over with. It's done. It's not. It's not. We're not. I'm not trying to make a huge deal out of it. But it's something that we will remember if oh, something absolutely. like this happens down the road. And But my whole thing is the like you get after these games and you want these like coaches to fire their offensive coordinator on the stand. And it's just like, you, you you just can't do that. Like that's, that's a Scott Frost thing, right? Like you want yeah. the coach to take the blame and then do it. Clearly they're going to do something well, other than at Iowa, <laughs> they haven't done anything, but like yes. do it behind the scenes. Don't do that out in the media. Don't tear down your coaching staff. Don't tear down your players. And, and that type Brian Ferentz, I mean, he said, um, we've got a lot of guys out there playing who have not, earn the right to play have not shown us that they should be out there and we have to play them that's that's, that's a recruiting scott problem. frost would play yeah would say yes that's a development and a recruiting problem uh, and and it's only on offense it's not on defense not on special teams this is all on the offense yeah phil parker's unit's doing just fine all right um just a really quick programming though we are uh this will be news to van winkie too uh, 
we we are going to record on Sunday night oh, this yeah. week. Yeah, I've got I've got I don't uh, I don't know if we will things. I don't know if we will be live or not. We'll we'll figure all that out and let you guys know. Sunday but, night and Wednesday night? Yeah, because Hassel has CBS stuff. So we're just gonna be a little off schedule next week. You will have shows. But I uh, just wanted to let everybody know about that. Same with me and Miller. We normally record on the YouTube on Thursday, and people will watch and comment. But we're going to do that on Friday of this week. Got a lot of people in the uh, in the pot here that we're, we're figuring everything out. So we appreciate all you guys watching. Uh, we will be back on Sunday night again. Hey, we'll get to preview that Ohio State and uh, Iowa game. <laughs> What's the line going to be for that one? Twenty-three and a half. That's where I was. It would be below twenty-four, but above three touchdowns. Is this the uh, the Monster Mash? Thank you for this, Van Winkle. It's not the Monster Mash. You think this is the Monster Mash? Yes. What the hell would you call it? This is the this is the two guys named Chris. Iowa Everywhere theme song. I'm down. Unless unless you're hearing a, a different music than I am. I'm hearing the Monster Mesh. I'm hearing the two guys named Chris Iowa Everywhere theme song in my headphones. Can you I can uh, l- listen. Can you hear that? I hear the Monster Mesh. You're out of your mind. One, I don't know. One of us is out of our mind, or there's some kind of. I think the wires are crossed. Let's get out of this show before. Van Winkle, come on here. What are we supposed to be hearing? It's Monster Mash. <laughs> this is amazing because I'm hearing the Iowa Everywhere theme song in my headset. I wish I could play it for you guys. How is that possible? Appreciate you guys. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. Have a great weekend. They played the monster man. Iowa everywhere.